Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. Hello and welcome to Rob from the Internet Talks About Beer, a show where we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles, we give shout outs to breweries we think make exceptional beer, and we talk about whatever in the hell else comes to mind during the course of the conversation. I'm Rob from the Internet. Let's talk about beer. All right, so joining me today is Kristoff uh, from uh, Hops and Bros. If you would, Kristoff, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into craft beer, and what you do when you're not talking to people like me about craft beer. Oh, that's that's a serious question. I am I, I'm mostly known for talking about beer with people. That's that's usually what I do. Uh, so my name is Christophe Paquette. I'm uh, I'm originally from Gatineau. I'm still in Gatineau, a big brewery. Uh, focused over the last five years. And now I work for Cinquième Baron, which is a new brewery that opened up a year ago. I'm a brand ambassador for them. So usually what I do is talk about beer with people. Um, but I run a channel for, it's been YouTube channel for about six, seven years with my really, really, with my best friend, Max. Um, he's a native Franco-Ontarian that now uh, resides in the Niagara region. Uh, he's brewing at Bench. A brewing company, a very talented guy. Uh, we've been a bit on the IIS lately for videos, but uh, we we do a bunch of videos from Cafeberry 101s talking about styles like you do here, um, but also ranging from doing just regular vlogs to random shit because we just like shooting videos and having fun. Um, but also we we got in touch, basically, me and you uh, on the internet, on Twitter, uh, via our friend, uh, common friend, uh, David Buis which is a fantastic yes. guy. And uh, we wrote a book with him. He actually just did all the work and I put some words out there and, you know, David <laughs> is a very talented guy. So that's why, uh, yes, yeah, so we did a couple of cool stuff. And on the side, I'm doing lives on Instagram with uh, the folks at BOS Podcast, Beerism and Nathan Does Beer. If you know them from Instagram and all over the internet, mm -hmm. since we're on the internet, um, every two Tuesdays we're doing... Wait, wait, yeah. we're on the internet? <laughs> your name is rob from the internet i was expecting some sort of metaverse thing happening but yeah so that's basically me in general um if you don't stop me talking i'll just keep going i gotcha i gotcha so so what i'm hearing is is you you like yes. beer you you make beer and you and you talk about beer. Yes, I don't Man. actually make beer. You sound like someone I know. I don't actually make it. Yeah, oh, you yeah. don't make beer. because the beer I make is awful. So I just like. <laughs> so you just drink. So beer. I, I oh, got man. in touch with good friends that are good at brewing it instead, so I can taste it and give my opinion about it. So obviously, I know how to brew it. I I can brew it. Like if you give me the ingredients and the time, because I think brewing is mostly time. Um, 
then I would say I could probably do some th that, something that's really good. But the last pale ale I did was um, a metal pale ale because it tasted like literal metal. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, today, folks, we are going to be talking about Vienna lagers. Uh, this is our second episode on Vienna Lagers, and I am never opposed to talking about a beer more than once, as everybody can attest to with the four or five episodes I've done on IPAs and the four or five episodes I've done on stouts. Um, it's always good to get someone else's uh, feedback on a style of beer and, and their experience with it. So, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Vienna style lagers uh, originated in the late 1830s. Um, developed by a man named Anton Dreher. Uh, he had, he had uh, gained knowledge of, of making pale malts and made his malts in England where they had just come up with the smoke-free kiln so they didn't have everything being all smoky and dark. And uh, he decided he was going to take some, some uh, lager-style yeast and throw some beer in a basement and let it sit for a while and see what happened with it. So... Uh, what he came up with was the Vienna Lager, which uh, I don't know, it's a great style as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's, it's nice and clean tasting. You know, it uh, has, has a very, very pleasing color. It's kind of a copperish color, uh, if you're not familiar. Um, the style of beer became famous in uh, 1867 when Dreher uh, served it at a beer hall at the International Exposition in Paris, France. So, hey, there you go. It's, it's got... Vienna Lager has ties back to hey, France. <laughs> hey, it's it's a surprising history because if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the, actually the guy that like it. Some people say that he stole some of the techniques of the malting business in uh, in England and then kind of like moved it back to Germany. So that's why he got kind of like those nice like copper tones, caramel notes, a bit of like that nice rose flavor. Yep. The reason why I like I, when you asked me like what style of beer we should talk about, I was like, yeah, let's do Vienna Lager because for me there's nothing that represents more like the season right now as of Vienna Lagers. Like there's some nice caramel. It's still nice, crisp, easy to drink, but also it feels like done right now like it feels like the season we're in we just got past halloween and we're just kind of like we want to get it cozy but not too much it's not winter cozy it's just like before winter cozy right right yeah and for for people who don't know vienna lager is actually the uh the parent style of martzen which is another one of my favorites so martzen is just a vienna lager with the uh the alcohol content kind of bumped up a bit uh to, to put it in simplest terms um it's also one of one of my favorite styles. Uh, there's a local brewery to me. It's like ten minutes away that uh, they have a fantastic Martin that they still have some on tap, and I think I've gotten six growlers from them in Ooh. the last five. Weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's Mars, I would say that Marzins are a, a, an easy like even Vienna Lagers, but they are all easy drinking style of beers. They're made to be drank in larger amounts than just uh, slow sipper yeah. stouts. Like I, uh, right now at the brewery, we have a Rye Imperial Stouts. It's it's fantastic, but obviously, like it's something that you take in smaller amounts. Uh, even like right now, like the the um, trend is towards like pastry stouts. Like everywhere, people's doing that. Obviously, there there's some very good pastry stouts, but like they're. You need to drink it at so small amounts. And right now we can't meet with anyone. So we're stuck drinking those pastry styles by ourselves. Um, so no, <laughs> I haven't been drinking pastry styles. I want more lagers so I can 
I actually drink by myself because we're not drinking in groups anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Um, I, I would say the same thing about pastry stouts. I have to drink them in smaller quantities, typically just because they're so rich. Um, any other, any other Imperial style stout, I will drink a, a pint after a pint after a pint all by myself if I have to, because that's my favorite style. <laughs> uh, they're, they're kick-ass and like, um, the, the, the one we did at the brewery here, like just with the rye, it adds a nice level of subtlety, just nice dryness to Like I find, I, I missed that a lot. Like I, I haven't seen that much over the past years. And now that I, I tried it, I'm like, God damn it. I actually missed that. So going back to classic styles like that, you know, lager, I kind of like opened up my mind and I'm like just tired of like New England IPAs or IPAs in general. Like obviously everyone loves it, yep. but I'm tired of it. Like very tired. Yeah. No, same, same thing. I mean, um, I will, you know, like I said, my go-to is always going to be an imperial or a barrel-aged stout. But uh, I too have been drinking a lot more lagers in the last few months because I've gotten tired of all the uh, the fad beers. Oh, we're, we're 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 doing, you know, we're doing a smoothie, slushy, New England IPA, sour, blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, okay. How about uh, just give me uh, an ESB or just give yeah. me, a, you know, a Vienna lager or or a Schwarz beer or something, you know, just something simple, something light, something clean, something that I can drink six of them and not feel guilty yeah. about it. <laughs> like smoothie beers. Like, yeah, I'm probably the, the worst advocate towards them. Like I hate them, but again, like it's a good conversation to add with friends that are more, more, uh, they approach them a lot more than I do. Um, because it kind of like creates a gateway beer for people that are not used to beer in general. So for newcomers in the industry, having the opportunity to just go like, Hey, I'm not going to drink wine tonight. I'm not going to drink a cocktail. I'm going to try that smoothie beer because it looks nice. And then they're like, Hey, I didn't know beer can taste like that. And then you get them into drinking mm -hmm. sours. You get them into drinking more different style goes those. Mm -hmm. And then it's, a, it's like a slippery slope that can get, a wine drinker or a cocktail drinker into the actual like history of beer and how we make beer in general, even though like they're probably going to drink like New England IPAs, smoothie beers for a while. But after a while, they're going to be curious, going to get curious about, Hey, you know what? I love that brewery that did that smoothie beer, but what happened if they do an ESB? Like, I'm going to try it. Like I trust that they do good product. So obviously I'm going to see what they can pull out with that nice copperish beer. Right. Um, so I think it, it has yep. obviously their downsides of you, we as, uh, already an established community of like beer geeks are kind of like, no, 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 like it's not beer, but again, like it gets new drinkers in that beer industry that we're trying to kind of like push towards new heights of being a bigger market to, instead of like the big guys right now. Like, I don't, I don't know if you see where I'm going right. with that, but again, like, uh, yeah, there's some sort of like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to, uh, you know, the, pushing pushing the boundaries and making these these fad style beers is a great way to get non beer drinkers or people who are who are typically drinking your your macros only, like your your Canadians and your moles, you know, your Molson Canadian and your Labatt your Labatt Blue and your Coors and whatever. You know, if if you have something, they're like, oh, that actually sounds kind of interesting. I might give that a try, and then you might get them get them off the path of only drinking the, the big 
brewery stuff and, and get him, get him, as you said, on that slippery slope that happens to be oh so deliciously slippery uh, of craft beer. I mean, so yeah, it's, 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 it, it might be, it might be uh, something that people like you and I aren't, aren't that big of a fan of. And, and to be fair, I will try any style of beer once, um, twice, you know, just to make sure I don't like it or I do like it. And then if I do like it, I'll drink it quite regularly. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not one to chase after those, you know, I, I won't, I won't go someplace. Oh, Hey, this place has a new, whatever, you know, whatever the style of the week is beer. Uh, if, if I go someplace and they happen to have it, I will give it a try, but I won't seek out things like that. You know, um, there are beer styles I will seek out. If you make a great ESB, I will seek out your, your facility. If you make a great stout, I will seek out your facility. If you make a kick-ass Saison, I will seek out your, your facility. If you make a smoothie sour, I'll try it. If I happen to be where you're yeah. at, <laughs> I, it's probably the same for me. Like if, if you give it to me and you say like, Hey, Chris, try it out. I'm going to try it out. Will it end up in my drain? It could. But if it doesn't, then that's a win, right? And I think I do that with pretty much every single beer style. It's like I'm gonna try it and see like where does it sit in my overall beer tasting kind of like level. So if it goes better than the actual best that I ever drank, then it's actually a good one according to the style. But if not, then it's kind of like a disappointing beer. So I'm I, I'm always like in the the mood of not in the mood, but my mindset when I drink is always super analytic. So I, I try to kind of like veer off sometimes. Like uh, I started drinking a bit more natural wines and get into different cocktails or not cocktails, but different drinks in general, because I, I'm just getting tired sometimes and just a bit too analytic. Like even my orange juice in the morning, I'm like, I'm sipping it, sniffing it, making sure like there's no hot flavors or whatever. So uh, like, I don't know if you have the same <laughs> problem, but for me, it's, uh, it's a, your family looks at you a bit weird when you sniff your orange juice in the morning. <laughs> I mean, Hey, whatever. I, I wouldn't judge you. I mean, I, I make myself tea every day and I sniff it too. So, you know, just like, just to make sure that I make tea properly. Yeah, that smells yeah. like tea. <laughs> I do that with my coffee too. I think everyone that has some sort of like uh, a passion towards just like tasting cool stuff will like either it's beer, coffee, tea, orange juice, whatever. Like you develop your palate in some way. Like tea is a good way to develop your palate towards herbs and get those nice floral notes. So when you drink, a beer that's boosted with a lot of noble hops, then, oh, then it reminds me a little bit of that tea and this and that, and you get fruity teas and you do on brewing, right? So using teas in beer, obviously I'm not a fan. Like people that brew with tea, I have a lot of issues. It never really tastes that good. Um, but if you do a good one, then I'm willing to try it again. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I'm, uh, I, I'm really, uh, you know, for most beers, just give me a traditional style. Um, I don't, I don't need all the, 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 the add-ins and the adjuncts and all that stuff. I mean, there's exceptions obviously, but you know, in my everyday life, what are the things I drink the most? I drink stout, just plain old stout. I drink ESBs. I drink, you know, uh, blonde ales. So I, I keep it simple for the most part, but I do, you know, I do enjoy the, uh, the, the special one-off beers and things like that. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need them. You know, I'm perfectly fine with, with the other stuff. 
So, so getting back to, to the analog, <laughs> yes. cause you know, that's what happens on this show. We always go off track, but that's just part of, part of the thing. So today I am going to be drinking uh chain link from Clifford brewing in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, Clifford is a, uh, is, is a fantastic brewery. I, uh, they were voted brewery of the year in 2019. I think it was 2018. Um, they make they make some great beers, you know. Uh, I haven't had one from them that I that I can say is bad. There's been a couple styles that aren't my thing, but uh, the beers themselves are, are good. So, yeah. So I'm gonna crack this puppy open. Uh, for anyone who's interested, the proper glassware for a Vienna Lager is a fluted style glass. Yeah, I, I actually got proper glassware. It like never happens. I'm a big fan of tekus, um, so usually. The, Oh, I love so I, I just put everything in tekus. Orange juice, coffee, whatever. It's always in tekus. Um, I, while you pour your beer, I'm going to introduce mine because I'm, like, I, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm a bit biased. I work at Saint-Cambaron, so I, we just released that. It's called Belvedere. It's a classic piano lager that we did. Um, for those of you that don't know about Saint-Cambaron, uh, Brewery in Elmer um, in Quebec side, um we do a lot of fantastic lagers i'm biased again um but we also cover pretty much the whole palette of styles in general over the last year we brewed many many different beers um i'm very proud to be part of that team and uh obviously i also run if you can see right here called the deuxième Etage. so it's a french podcast about beer if you want to check it out it's a quite nice podcast that we have uh, kind of like go into behind the scenes of the industry but also the food industry in general and uh, we talk about just social issues uh, issues in beer we, we sometimes we go po political like why not as it were i think the industry is in the somewhat in the shift towards uh, being a bit more conscious about what they do um so obviously if you want to check it out i uh, want to sharpen your french skills that's the way to go. I have a French. I have one episode in English with Noah from Beers. And if you want to check it out, if you want to kind of like, oh yeah, now now I dig what he does. I'm 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 going to sharpen my French skills. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm an American transplant, so I, I I know I know just enough French to uh, to insult people. I think, and uh, that that you know, I I'm not I'm not conversationally fluent in any other language other than hey. English. So it would do me, it would do me very little good to listen to your podcast other than to hear people laughing. Hey, that's place. good. <laughs> Maybe for you, French always just sound like baguette, baguette, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It always sounds like, uh, like, like those, uh, those movies from the seventies with, uh, Maurice Chevalier. Oh, uh -huh, baguette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So checking out this beer. Look at that. Look at that thing. That's a beautiful color. Yours looks like it's a little yes. darker than mine. Running that's, a bit more. Nice. To... Oh, look at you! You even got branded yeah, glass. Yeah. Look at you being all being all promotional. And if I go everything. like that, you can Man. see like there's the upside down thing that goes with the deuxième étage, and then I have. Oh. I sorry, sorry about it. Yeah. Like I, I'm a sellout. I'm a sellout. Oh. That's fine. Hey. I'm. I am. Uh, I am open to shameless self promotion. So. Uh, <laughs> It is. It is not. It is not anything I find offensive. I. I, I actually uh, do quite a bit of shameless self promotion for myself. So I mean, kind of have to, to to try and yeah, tell an audience. That's what so. we do. But. Yep. So um, this one, looking at it, it's a nice copper color. It's got a nice thick head on it here. Um, aromas. Um, 
no no hop aromas on this because it's noble hopped. So um, you shouldn't really have any hop aromas on it. Um, you shouldn't have any real alcohol aroma coming off of it. It shouldn't be astringent in any way like that. Uh, you shouldn't have any like fruity esters or any of the phenols. No, no weird off things. Uh, you should get like toasted malt and like biscuity breadiness, which is delicious, you know, and, and you get caramel flavors in there. And there's just a very, very, very slight floral aroma on this one. So, in my, I, I just got off a, a little flu. Um, to to put you guys in context, my first daughter goes to daycare, catch something, bring it back home, and I have a four weeks old that caught it. So we spent the last week at the hospital. We all caught it. Um, it's not COVID. It's like another uh, virus, something, but. Yeah, it's just just another virus. Yeah, but of course. since little babies only breed by their nose, we spent like four days in the hospital just making sure she gets uh, proper oxygen through her nose. So now I'm kind of like getting my uh, my sinus backs uh, to to smell stuff. But uh, obviously, I know this beer well, so I can go through it without even like tasting it or uh, smelling it. But um, like Bevada, it's like a classic on the aroma you like on the nose you get those nice like you said like bready toasty notes i always refer a bit more on like the biscuit side of things because i think it refers like it's closer like to caramel when you get to the kind of like the tasted as that's a nice roundness it's a lot of like nice cereal feel to it um there's a nice dryness that i think comes from the hops that are used in there but not like you don't want a lot of them to get bitterness you just want that kind of like right to pair w with the actual dryness of the malts you get the hops and then you have a nice clean finish that's it yep yeah and this is very much the same thing so it's uh it's got a nice round soft body um medium carbonation so you're not going to be sitting there going burp, burp, as you drink it <laughs> uh it's got a nice um medium short short medium you know right right in between for the finish and then uh you know it it does the the flavor the flavor has caramel and it has like um it's almost like um wheat bread crust is is kind of like yes. the flavors that baked wheat bread crust and yeah it's it, it's absolutely fantastic this is uh this is one of one of my favorite beers from from uh Clifford, the other one that they make is called Dark Streets of London, which is their ESB, which is another fantastic beer that they make. Uh, I've, I've I've had far too much of it this past uh, year. <laughs> but uh, for those who are interested, proper serving temperature for this beer style is 7 to 10 degrees Celsius. That's 45 to 50 degrees for those of you who use freedom units. Um it uh it pairs well with things like grilled meats and vegetables and mild cheeses and uh you know like biscotti and things like that any any of your baked yeah. goods are, are gonna go really french well onion with. soup too like it's oh yeah there you go french onion soup i haven't it's had that in so ages. Now, now I want it's french so onion soup. damn good <laughs> and like you can actually put that beer into your french onion soup recipe which makes it a little oh, bit yeah, extra kind of like Mm, you know, just, just, just really good. Like yep. with, with, uh, with, um, sharp cheddar too. Like, it's just nice, like a nice creamy sharp cheddar. Like I would say like, it's a good, nice pairing too. Awesome. For, for the, for the, uh, beer nerds and, and number nerds out there, the, uh, 
the color of this should be 12 to 16 SRM with uh, with uh, IBUs of 22 to 30. And uh, alcohol anywhere from 4.5 to 5.5 is typical for the style. I think this one comes in at exactly 5. So I'm at 5 too, so I think... Uh... We, we we both uh, think the 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 box. We we both check the box. Yeah, sorry, my yeah. sometimes sometimes I have <laughs> French words coming in, then translation kinda like screws up and then it comes out <laughs> all weird. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't don't worry about it. Um and and you know, even even if you did really mess up, I'd leave it in because I don't really edit uh, because I don't I, I don't want to because uh, I think it uh, takes away from the, the flow yeah. of the show. So um you know, I'll do necessary edits if, if like, you know, something falls down or breaks or, or whatever. Or, comes or, by or, like yeah. naked in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I might, I might leave that. My show's not for children. So, <laughs> okay. I'm just saying that sometimes it happens. Might be me too. <laughs> A couple more beers. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. It might be you. I, I'll try, I'll try to keep it uh, a bit more uh, casual today. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more casual. Awesome. Um, some other some other examples of this beer that I know are good is uh, Great Lakes had uh, one called Elliot Ness. Um, Sierra Nevada has one that's so so creatively called Vienna, Ooh. and um, Chuckanut Brewery also has one that's very very creatively named Vienna Lager. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to to see like if in Quebec there's good ones. Like it's a not it's not common because like there's a a big culture around like Rus, like red L's in Quebec. So yep. having something that's amber like that usually just fits right into that slot of being like it's not a, a Vienna Liger, it's <laughs> thoroughly uh red L. So it gets lost a little bit into that because usually like the typical Quebec Rus has like a lot of like caramel forward aromas. But with added fruitiness, uh, which is very not common, and also it's a lot more on the red side of things compared to like those kind of like uh, copper tones that we get here. Right. Well, and and to to be fair, uh, Vienna Lager is one of those styles that it uh, it waned in popularity for quite a long time. I mean, it uh, it pretty much. Excuse me. Hey, carbonation it, coming it has to come out um, either way like you're gonna explode so it uh it was really popular up until uh up until about world war ii and then it fell off in popularity until about uh, the 1980s it actually saw a resurgence uh 80s and 90s due due to the rise of craft brewing in the united states uh these people wanted to brew something that that people hadn't seen in a while and they revived the Vienna lager style and and I'm I'm really grateful that they did. Um you know it uh it's it's still brewed uh by several larger breweries in in uh, Germany and, and places like that and and if you've ever had a a uh, Mexican lager you've actually had a variety of the Vienna lager because uh, Mexican Mexican style lagers are just uh, Vienna lagers that the recipe's been tweaked to uh, use the ingredients that were available in Mexico. So, you know, it's it, it, it's amazing how many of these styles are all interconnected. Yeah. Is and related. It, uh, I think the Modelo Negro. Negro? Yes, exactly. Negro, yeah. that, that's a uh, copper beer, right? 
if I'm not mistaken, or it's a dark beer. Yeah. yeah. They drink a lot of that over there. Like yeah. it's super popular. There's a lot of, uh, yeah. And that is, that is a Vienna lager. I didn't know about that. <laughs> like I should, like we did a, a Vienna lager 101 on our YouTube channel. I didn't even talk about it. So now I feel ashamed. Well, it's, um, you, but I wouldn't feel ashamed if I were you. I mean, cause technically speaking, Mexican lager is its own thing. So it, you know, it's, it's roots are, its roots are from Vienna lager. So what happened was a bunch of uh, German immigrants went to Mexico, started brewing beer and, they had to tweak uh, the recipe because there was a lot more corn available than there was anything else. So um, Mexican lagers tend to be sweeter and they tend to have a, a lighter color just because of the ingredients that are used. But yeah, it's the same. It's the same exact thing. I mean, you know, it's made from, from the original Vienna lager style recipes. So history and beer is so nice. Like um, I, that time we did like a lot of research for lager yeast and there's like a weird, kind of like off story that lager yeast kind of like originated in the Pantagonian uh, mountain chains and that mm -hmm. kind of like found its way through like Tibet and Asia to Germany and that's where it kind of like it sprung together to be something different which which I think it's yep. so fun to see that right but again like no one actually put the word on it and made sure to say like yeah, yeah it actually happened like we just Maybe it happened, but we don't know. Now, um, I, I actually talked about that. Uh, I did a show um, with with um, a brewer from uh, from Washington State who 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 does tons of loggers, and we actually talked about that. And she was a huge resource on the history of it. And there was a study done in I think it was ninety nine. I think it was. Um, and they actually traced it back, and they did they did verify that it did come from the Patagonian region. Uh, originally uh, and they've they've mapped out they've mapped out the the course that it took to get to germany and and, and things like that it, it was really cool it's a it's a it's a strange history because it's uh it's it's so so closely related to to uh to ale yeast but it took its own direction in its uh evolution so you know it's it's just so cool that uh that uh you know that something something that's used in europe had its had its origin so far away yep. and and made its way there and then became something big you know it's because it, it wasn't native from europe like you, you can't scrub a tree and get lager yeast you had to scrub a tree in Patagonia <laughs> right. to get it it's it's phenomenal how like yeast <laughs> evolves in so many different ways like i've always been kind of like passionate about uh spontaneous fermentation just because it's so much mystery into one thing but again, like if you're a microbiologist, you might say like, there's no magic in there. It's just science, right? right? But for me, it's like, it's magic. You put it outside and then, and you have a spontaneous yeah. made the drink, right? Uh, but again, it doesn't work that way all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. And you know, what's funny is if you go back far enough, like in the German beer purity laws, they, uh, they didn't list um, yeast as one of the ingredients originally in the purity laws because they didn't know because everything everything was wild fermented. So it was spontaneously fermented. So it's like, oh, it's just, you know, we put these things together and God says, let it be. Exactly. <laughs> it, you know, it was a couple hundred years after they made the, uh, the original purity laws that they actually discovered, oh, wait, there is a fourth ingredient. <laughs> and, and we all forget about time because... Beer is made of five ingredients, and 
the fifth is time. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know that time is really an ingredient so much as a condition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, like we always talked about it with my friend Max. He's a brewer, and uh, it's kind of like a cool thing to say when you talk uh, about beer with people because you can geek out about water profiles and malts and hops and yeast, but what about time, right? Uh, fermentation time as an impact, <laughs> a cold crash time or a boiling time and mashing yep. time, like every little thing that has a timer on it in the brewing system does have an impact on your final product in the end. So that's where I can like fit in time into the fifth ingredients of beer. So every single time people are like, there's four ingredients of beer. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. there's five. So that's it. Well, I mean, if if you want to start calling time an ingredient, then you also have to start saying that there's technically six ingredients then because you have to include. And and temperature (laughs) now so we can go to seven. Seven. There we go. <laughs> Let's see. What else can you um, do? <laughs> I, I, like the, the 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 vessel could be an ingredient because sometimes, like if you put it in a wood vessel, then it's different. Uh, if you put it in stainless steel, it's different. Um, what, 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 what do you like in? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like. I've just seen the like the Norwegian Norwegians. Like where the the fight comes from? Like in the northern uh, Europe parts, they have yep. like the yeast rings thing. Like in, it's a wood ring that yep. they just like dump in the, uh, like the yeast, and then they hang up in the brewery, and then for the next pass they just throw the ring in, and then it kind of like sprung up again, and they keep the same same uh, yeast growing from that little single ring. I think it's phenomenal that, yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it is. It's it, you know, and and that yeast is so so amazing. Um, I was talking on one of my other episodes. I did an imperial stout using a uh, um, a blend of, of that yeast from uh, Escarpment Labs here in Ontario, and uh, I did I it it literally fermented in seventy hours. I, I pitched the yeast, and 10, 15 minutes after I pitched it, the uh, the line going into my uh, my water bucket for the the CO two was just going nuts. And it's so crazy because it just goes full speed for like three days and then just stops. It's like it's not it, it's not like you a lot of these where it's like bubble 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 bubble. This is just like full on, and then all of a sudden it's like just goes right off a cliff. Boom, done. done. Not ready to go already. <laughs> I like I don't know why like bigger breweries that need to kind of like get a, a faster turnaround on their beers don't use that more often. Because you can get like a finished beer in like three it's, days, boom. Yeah, the the thing is though, you really have to control the temperature to uh, to to get the results you want. Like for the for the blend I was using, if you kept it uh, below twenty five degrees uh, Celsius, <laughs> for those who are listening, um, it would it would give you a nice clean like an ale finish. If you let it ferment above twenty five to up to like forty degrees. Celsius, <laughs> it would uh, it would give you uh, a lot more fruity flavors. So you'd get like the red apple and and the uh, the grape and things like that. So uh, doing my uh, imperial stout, I kept I kept my fermentation temperature at like twenty three and a half degrees. And like I said, three days it was done. And you know I I, I pulled it out of the 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 vessel and checked the uh, the ABV on it, and just using that, it came out at ten point nine in three days. Three days. 
in three days. It was crazy. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. That's fast. That's, that's super fast. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it basically, you know, it, uh, it cuts the time for an Imperial stout in half because, okay, it ferments in three days and you let it keg condition for, I let mine keg condition for about a month, you know, so rather than taking two, two weeks or so to ferment and then all that stuff, I was done in three days and it was sitting in a keg to sit for a month and do its thing. And then I was drinking it. So it cuts my time in half when I'm making yeah, big beers. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I, what, what kind of setup do you use for your own brewing? Um, I've got, uh, well, right now I'm in between setups because my last, uh, my last brew house died. So, uh, and then I had a whole bunch of adult responsibilities that took precedence. So I haven't replaced hey. my brew house yet, <laughs> but I've got, um, I've got, uh, yeah, you understand yep. your parent. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I've got, uh, I've got SS Brewtech fermenters. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, three quarter horsepower glycol chiller. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I've, I've got, uh, the, the conical conical fermenters. So I do all my, uh, fermenting right in those. And then I just dump everything into kegs. I rack it off into kegs. I've got a, uh, I've got a commercial beer cooler out in the garage where I brew and I've got three taps God out there, it. uh, in, in the cooler. Plus, plus I, you know, I've got, a, I've got, so I've got a 10 foot long commercial cooler with four doors. One door is just for the keg side. The other three doors are are for the rest of my. Uh, Damn, you have a better so. setup than the we have at the brewery here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so yeah, so well, fu funny thing. Uh, so I'm originally from the Chicago area, and I I retired from a job I had. Obviously, you are from Chicago. Obviously, like. I well, I'm actually I'm actually from from north of Chicago, northwest yeah. of Chicago, but that's the closest city that anybody knows. Hey, that, that's fine. That's fine. I I've heard like like good beer thing. You know them, right? They are from Chicago, so like yeah. to, a lot of my American beer knowledge comes from good beer thing. So from Chicago, so to me, some of that comes from Chicago. I'm like, you're the closest thing to a beer American god to me. So again. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I moved up here after after I retired, and uh, the, the the goal was originally uh, my wife and I were going to open a brewery, and then we discovered that it's really hard in Ontario to open a brewery and really expensive as compared to the United States. I mean, I looked into it, and it's like, okay, well, you have to have like five different licenses if you want to sell beer, make beer, transport beer, sell it by the glass, and allow people to, to consume it on site. Whereas in the States, I, for that, I need like, two licenses a federal and a state license and i'm done yeah <laughs> you know and so so then uh, we decided to scrap starting a brewery and we just decided we'd have a home brewery where we brew our own and then we just buy beer from all sorts of other people i think it's worked out hey well. <laughs> that, that means next time i'm in your area i have to to drink at your bar from a safe distance or with a mask i don't mind uh, i can do that from a straw <laughs> if you'd like uh, but I, i'm double vaxxed too so again i'll be glad to try your own brew because i think it's something that um has its place in the beer industry again like yes we tend to can kind of like forget where the craft beer revolution started it's from all those um homebrewers out there that just like from their garage uh made new recipe push the beers forward something that uh it's not the beer that your father was bringing is bad tub. like you know it, like we we moved right. to something a bit more serious with homebrewers and again like i'm the guy that was bringing his bathtub it was very bad um but again 
I respect a lot of people <laughs> like that, that invest a lot of time and effort and like it's a passion project on brewing and I wish I had more time and could do it by myself but again my fridge is just full of all that well, I mean you're you're also you're also at the part of your life where you've got little kids at home so you don't have as much time to do things that you want to do you got to do things that you <laughs> yeah I had to, to escape <laughs> like in I'm actually in the in, in the podcast studio uh at at work because I know that at home like I wouldn't be able to do a, a recording with you at the moment <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, no, I, t I totally get it. But yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. I've got a, a friend of mine who I got into craft brew. Uh, who I got into home brewing. Um, and now he's, he's like, he, he's, he's taking it in, in his own direction and more power to him. But man, he's like, I have to look at the, uh, the style guide and I have to make my beer to the, to the guide. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make a stout and I'm going to throw this in it and I'm going to throw this in it. Oh, and I'm going to use this different yeast over here. And he's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because I want to play around and make beer that I want. Yeah, to that, I think that's the fun of beer in general, right? You, you, you get your inspiration from something that someone else brewed. And after that, you do it yourself and you're trying to make it better. And you're trying to make it like you want it because obviously you like what the other did but there's some stuff that you would have done better. So I think that it's always like those little baby steps that breweries are taking and trying and tasting and experimenting with stuff. Like just at the brewery here, we have a little system that we can do uh, three 20 liter kegs from that system um, just to get like, you know what? We can do that base IPA and then try three different hop techniques or let's try this stout and try those right. three different adjuncts. Let's try this lager or this saison and experiment with that on like just a little, a little steps to make the end product much better and to, you know, like uh, dumping a beer is not fun, but again, if it's not good, you dump it. But if you can take those steps yep. before, experiment with it and then try it, build your palette around it and make like, you know what, those little tweaks that makes it perfect. Um, it makes the whole difference in the, in the end process. And, and, you know, dumping a beer is a, is a bad thing, but if you learn something from, from it, then it's, it's not really as bad as it could be, because as long as you learn from the mistakes that you made for that, you, you build on that and, and you make the next product better. I mean, so yeah, and, and I've actually got uh, right now um, my my buddy who I was just talking about was uh, visiting um, over over the Thanksgiving uh, week, and we he brought he brought his brewing equipment with him. We we brewed a, a twenty liter batch. Uh, he's got a little uh, Robo Brew system, so we uh, we we did a um, an American Strong Ale, and uh, it didn't go quite as expected because one, it's equipment I've never used and things like that. So, you know, there's always little tweaks you got to make, but, uh, it's, it's sitting in a keg right now. I've got it conditioning and it'll be, uh, it'll be ready ooh, for Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> I, hopefully it's going to turn out well. I usually, if when you have IABV beers, you can save a bit more than, uh, let's say you screwed up yeah. your New England IPA, then yeah, you can add more hops to it and it just becomes a green bomb. Um, but it's not, it's not a way to go. Right. <laughs> Again, I can complain a lot about way too green beers but uh i i think we can keep that for a, a more negative uh interview if you'd like to <laughs> I, i'm good at complaining if if you can if you didn't see that i i, I can tell 
Well, man, we have been chatting for 42 minutes. Uh, this is, this is a, I think, a good spot for me to, to say, this is the part of the show where I say the show. Hey, hey, hey I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. You, you, you told me 45 minutes. I, I, I gave you my all. Um, if you want to stretch it out for, for more, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm free. But again, I know that you, we all have stuff to do. So I know that th those talks are always fun, too. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a, this is also the part of the show I say, well, if you enjoyed this episode, please click on the little like down there. And if you really enjoy what I'm doing, click subscribe and click the little bell to be notified when new episodes come out. If you have any questions for me or any questions for Chris, please feel free to leave them in the comment section of the video and I will forward them on to him. Uh, if you have a suggestion for a beer, a beer style, or a guest you'd like me to try to get out of my show, I'll I'll talk to anybody. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got someone in mind, I'll, I'll try and get them on my show. Uh, leave those down in the comments below as well. Other than that, until next time, I'm Rob from the Internet. Cheers. Thanks, Rob, for I mean, me, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent time. Excellent time. It's